0: Good morning, everybody. (laughs) My name is Matthew. I am the student ministry pastor here at New Life. And that is is far too much. (laughs) Today, I'm very, very excited because today we're going to talk about what it means to walk in something that I think we can universally say that we love. We're going to talk about joy. Who's excited about talking about joy today? (laughs) No, you see, I didn't ask who was, like, looking forward to it. I said, who's excited about talking about joy this morning? I don't think there's anyone that doesn't love the feeling of joy. I mean, does anybody in here, please, this is rhetorical and does not require a response, but does anybody wake up and say, you know what I really want today? I really would like to be in a bad mood. (laughs) Sometimes my wife says that's how I wake up. Like, I just have my mind set on being upset. But it's not true. See, joy is something that we gravitate towards. There's something in us that always wants to go to wherever joy is. And today we're going to look at a moment in Scripture that just on its surface when we read it, it looks like there's not much cause for joy. But when we take a closer look, we find a joy that the Spirit produces. We find a joy that comes from being in communion with the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to look at the the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 22 to 34. I want to invite you to follow along. You can pull out your Bible app. It's all good. You can be on your phone while I'm up here. I would rather you look at your phone than me anyway. So let's see what the word of God has to say to us this morning. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped and drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, Might we see the joy that you have in store for us? Give us hearts that are ready to respond to the joy that we can have, even though we can't see it. Reveal to us in your word what true, lasting joy looks like. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says, joyfully. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. How many of you have ever been surprised by where you found joy? I had a moment, I'm going to say a few months ago, where I was on a, one of those like low-carb, high-fat diets that somehow you end up losing weight. I don't fully understand the science, but it works. And so I was on this diet for about six weeks, and I can tell you very honestly and very happily that I did not cheat even once, even though I really wanted to. So at the, during the six weeks, uh, you know, you're, there's no carbs, and all of my favorite foods happen to be packed with carbs. And at the top of the list is pizza. Whoa. <laughs> I got some pizza people in the house. But the top of the list for me is pizza. I love pizza. And going six weeks without eating any is remarkable, but also a feat that I have no desire to ever repeat for the rest of my life. And at the end of the six weeks, it happened that we had a meeting with our student ministry leadership team, and we were serving pizza. And just as a really quick side note, really quick side note, the student ministry leadership team, we eat good. So if you're looking for a place where you can change lives but also eat really well, I would really love to see you in the lobby. I had two people first service. Let's beat that second service. But I figured I would have this—I would just eat a slice of pizza, and it wouldn't be anything remarkable, and it definitely wouldn't be a moment that I could share with all of you on a Sunday in a message about joy. And yet, here I am. See, I took a bite of this delicious hot pizza, and now it was a grandma slice, so it's square, and it's got the fresh mozzarella cheese on top. I mean, it was delicious. And I picked it up, and I took a big bite, and immediately, tears began to well up in my eyes. And at first, at first, I thought, this is just because the pizza is too hot. So I did what everybody does with really, really hot pizza. I picked it up again, and I took an even bigger second bite. There was no blowing, nothing. It was just straight into my mouth. And again, the tears didn't just well up, but they began to stream down my cheeks. Now I told everybody it was just because of the steam or whatever, but I was crying, I was crying. And in that moment, I was faced with a reality. I wanted to dismiss this as just some pathetic display of a weird emotion that came from a slice of pizza. But in truth, what was going on was something that brought me joy met me in a moment I didn't expect to see it. And so my response, as ridiculous as it may sound, you don't get it if you don't love pizza. (laughs) My response was joy that just flowed out of me. And joy has a way of showing up in very surprising places. It has a way of showing up where we least expect it. And in Acts chapter 16, we find joy in a surprising place. The kind I believe that we sometimes miss because it doesn't look anything like we expect it to. So let me set a scene for you. Paul and Silas are in Philippi. And they've come to share the gospel. And while they're walking around, this woman that's been possessed by a, by a spirit starts walking behind them shouting that they're here to proclaim the gospel and tell everyone how they must be saved. And so she's following them everywhere they go. And the Bible says that she was behind them for days. Imagine if you were walking through the street and somebody is behind you shouting all of your business. So Paul does what I think most of us would do. And like the Bible says, he, like, he got a little irritated and he turned around and cast the demon out of the, out of the girl and her, her ability to tell the future was also lost. This, of course, infuriated the people who were making money off of her. And so they went to the officials in the city and they had Paul and Silas thrown in jail. And that's where we pick up in our text. Verse 22 starts like this. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so he put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So they're walking around. They're, they're put into jail. This, this crowd has formed. Everybody in the crowd is against them. There are no friends in this group of people. They end up being stripped and humiliated, beaten, and if that weren't enough, they're put in jail. And not just in jail, they're put in chains that would no doubt make their discomfort even more uncomfortable. Imagine for a second what Paul might have been thinking. He came to this city to proclaim the gospel, and he ends up in chains. He ends up beaten. He ends up bruised and bloodied. Maybe he's thinking, how could God let this happen to me? Perhaps he's wondering, what did I do wrong? Did I miss something? Is is this on me? Is it my fault? Or maybe simply he's just acknowledging how terrible of a situation he finds himself in. Because let's be honest, this is about as bad of a situation as there could be. And it seems in this moment like there's absolutely no cause for joy. And I think all of us can attest to a moment in our lives when we've been in that exact place, where there are things happening in your life that there is no cause or reason whatsoever for you to have any joy at all. My question is, how have you responded in those moments? What's going on in your mind and in your heart when you're in a situation that seems as though it's as bad as could possibly be? Cause like I said before, joy is something that we, we run towards. It's something we gravitate to. And we search for it and we go looking for it to have our desire for joy fulfilled in the things we immerse ourselves in. For a lot, for everybody, if I were to give you all an opportunity to say one thing that you could, that you go to when you're looking for joy, you could all probably come up with something really, really quickly. And for everybody, it might be something different. For some, of, for some people, it's things like sports or sex, money, drugs, alcohol, relationships. We look to accumulate things. We look for likes and comments on our social media pages. All of these things designed to stoke the fires of joy in our hearts. There are any number of things that bring joy into our lives. It's something that, we're, that we are wired to experience at the deepest part of who we are. But just like there's a whole lot of stuff that's meant to bring us joy, there's no shortage of circumstances and situations that are meant to kill your good mood, to ruin your good vibes, and to steal joy away from you. And I believe that we've all experienced those as well. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe you lost a job or a relationship came to an end. You or someone you love got sick. Maybe you failed a class. Maybe there's just some large disappointment in your life. And sometimes it can just be really easy to look at life and look at our world and all of the things you see on the news and determine that there's not much cause for joy. N.T. Wright said this about joy. It's something for which people know they are made, but they aren't quite getting it. It's something that we know we're made for, But it sometimes just feels like it's beyond our reach. Or when we do get it, it doesn't last for very long. Which means that our pursuit of joy can sometimes leave us feeling unfulfilled. But there's a reason for that. I think it's because we've got joy all wrong. We've got joy all wrong. Many of us are counting on happy circumstances to bring about joy in our lives. Which means that it comes and goes based on whatever is happening out here around us. I'm in a good mood today because the thing I wanted, I got. I'm in a bad mood today because the thing I wanted, I didn't get. And so we go up and down, joy and sadness, joy and despair, based on all the stuff that's happening out here. But my question is, when Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, joy is the second word. Is this kind of joy that's subject to the ebb and flow of everyday life, is this the joy that he's saying comes from the Holy Spirit? I'll give you the answer to the test. No, it's not. Joy that comes from the Spirit goes far beyond a good feeling in response to happy circumstances. Christian joy is something different entirely. This kind of joy is an attitude that God's people adopt because of our hope in God's love and trust that God will fulfill his promises. I'm going to say that again. This is joy. Joy is an attitude God's people adopt because of our hope in his love and trust in his promises. What are those promises? Those promises, those things, these are the the words of Jesus that his grace is enough for you. These are the words of Jesus that he's overcome the world. This is the truth, that our belief in Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, that he's preparing a place for us, that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us, his promise that one day he's going to come again to call us home with him, that's the source and that's the reason why we can have joy no matter the circumstance or situation we find ourselves in. And that, my friends, is very good news. Amen? Amen? (laughs) <laughs> it means that it means the joy that comes from the Lord is unchanging. And it's possible, it's possible for, always, for us to always have joy, even if our situation doesn't lend itself to it. Even if everything is going, is going horribly wrong, we always have a reason to get to joy. And this is exactly what we find Paul and Silas demonstrating they have a belief in. They've had a long and difficult ordeal. I mean, this is, like I said, this is about as bad of a situation as a person can find themselves in. And what do we find them doing? It's the middle of the night. They've been beaten up. They've been humiliated. They're probably all bruised and everything. And we don't find them sleeping it off. We don't find them complaining. We find them in the middle of the night singing. Singing, and everybody in the prison is listening to them sing. They could be just complaining about everything that's happening, but we don't find them doing that. We find them praying in the dark because this is what their joy is leading them to do. Everything they do in this situation is a product of their joy coming from their trust in Jesus. They have no idea what's going to happen next, they don't know if they're going to live or if they're going to die. But they trust that God is with them. They trust in something that seems so simple, but it can be so difficult to hold on to. They just trust that God's got it. My friends, God's got it. And some of us need to embrace that truth in our lives that not only does God have it, God has you. Like, do you understand that you firmly rest in the righteous hand of God and there is nothing in this world that can snatch you from his grip? There is no amount of sadness that can take you away from the love of God. These two men have a belief that no matter what happens, God's got it. And then God does something. The very next verse, God does something. They, Paul and Silas, believe that God's got it. And then God shows up and he lets everybody else know that he's got it too. He said, the Bible says this, suddenly, everybody say Suddenly. Sometimes it just works that way. God comes out of nowhere, out of the blue, all of a sudden, and he can turn sadness and grief into great, overwhelming, remarkable joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Love it. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. See, we would look at this story, we would look at this moment and say, everything before this, there is no joy, and this is where the joy comes in. But Paul and Silas are demonstrating that their joy started long before the ground started to shake. Their joy began long before the chains fell off of their bodies. Their joy began way before the prison doors opened because their joy had nothing to do with, with their situation. Their joy had everything to do with Jesus. Their joy had everything to do with who Jesus is, with the promises that he made, and the things that they knew he had come to do. The things that they knew he had already done for them. Their joy began the minute they invited Christ into their hearts. That's where our joy comes from. That's the source of our joy. Now understand this. I'm not saying that these guys were, like joy means they were happy about being beaten up and happy about being put in jail. They were filled with joy because they knew Jesus in spite of everything that was going wrong. When it looked like they had no reason for joy, all that came out of them was the joy that came from their faith. And when things in life are bringing us low, it can be really tough to hold on to that kind of joy. Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And it was so important, Paul wrote, and now I'll say it again, rejoice. But that doesn't always seem possible, does it? In a situation like that one, it doesn't always seem like I can rejoice in the Lord, and yet there's something about these two men, there's something that they seem to know that they're demonstrating what that kind of joy looks like. Because beneath all the stuff that they were going through, and beneath all the pain and the difficulty that goes on in our world and in our lives, we're invited to walk in a joy that comes from believing that God is in control, that he's sovereign, that God's got it. That is the invitation to all of us, that no matter what we're going through, no matter the pain and the difficulty that we experience and that we face, to just trust that God's got you. The greatest reason for joy in the life of any believer is that we've been rescued from sin. We've been rescued from sin and welcomed into the family of God as one of his children. That is always true of anyone who believes in Jesus. No matter how dark the night gets, no matter how deep the sorrow, no matter how how deep your despair, the promises of God are always available to everyone who believes. That's the joy we can always hold on to. In 2006, my grandfather passed away and I was incredibly heartbroken when I got the news him and I had a really fun relationship. We would talk once a week, and we would talk about all kinds of crazy things that were going on. He would travel a lot. We would talk about wrestling. I mean, he was just such a joy to have, sit down and have a conversation with. And at his funeral, I had an opportunity to speak, and so I decided I was just going to tell a story about his life. I talked about his willingness to help other people. I told everybody about how funny he was I mean, he always had a joke, and even if nobody else thought it was funny, he, would, he had this giant laugh that forced you to laugh with him, which means that he thought he was funny, so he kept telling jokes, and it was just this endless cycle. But I also talked about my sadness that he was gone, the reality that I would miss him. But the thing I could hold on to was my joy because he had faith. My joy that he knew Jesus. See, even in the midst of my sadness and my grief, I could still find something to take joy in didn't mean that my grief just immediately disappeared. It didn't mean that I wasn't still sad. It just meant that these two things do coexist because there's a reality about joy, that even if everything up here, even if there's turmoil in our lives, that joy is the undercurrent that runs beneath all of the situations that we find ourselves in. Joy is the thing that sits underneath all of the pain that we experience. For those who believe in Jesus, there is always something that we can root ourselves in that will bring us back to joy. you might be sitting here today, you're going through a hard time. And to be fully alive, we have to grieve well. We have to deal with our difficult feelings. We have to process the, the, the hard stuff that happens in our lives. But there can also be great joy. There can also be great joy. We can take joy in knowing that God is near to the brokenhearted. That he comforts those who need to be comforted. That We can take joy in the fact that he hasn't forgotten about you, that he hasn't left you, that in the midst of whatever you're enduring, he's not in some far-off place. He is right there beside you, walking with you in step-by-step, extending his arms of love out towards you. We can take joy in knowing that a time is coming when God is going to make all things new, that he's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to replace every sadness we have with great joy. Because this is the truth for us, that joy for the people of God isn't determined by our struggles, but by our future destiny and the truth that Jesus is with us now. Our joy does not come from our, our, or our lack of joy doesn't come from our struggles. It's not determined by our struggles, but by the future destiny we have as the children of God. But it's not just some far-off thing that's going to happen later. It's also the reality that Jesus is with you now. That he sent his spirit to stoke joy in your life, even when it seems like there's not much reason for it. We can have joy anyway. Somebody say joy. Joy. So you see, we don't lack a source of joy. We lack a perspective that allows us to experience joy from the spirit. It's easy to just look at the trouble in our world. Because trouble has a way of feeling more powerful than joy, doesn't it? But I have to ask myself the question sometimes, what's informing how I'm looking at things? What's informing my perspective? How is it that I remember to walk in joy? If we want to have the kind of perspective that leads us to joy, we have to draw near to God. We have to draw near to God. Because for us on our own, it's not even You can't do it. It's impossible for any one of us. I don't care how strong we think we are. It is impossible to accomplish this on our own. This is called the fruit of the Spirit, not a fruit of my effort. And if if it's a fruit of the Spirit, it means I need to go and tap into what the Spirit is doing so that I can experience this fruit in a real, authentic, lasting way, the way that God intended it in my life. If we want to walk in joy, we need to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul and Silas are acting the way that they are because they've tapped into the spirit. They've tapped into the spirit. See, the thing that this joy does is it leads to transformation in our lives. And anytime there's transformation in our lives, something else happens. It sends us on mission. It sends us on mission. See, Paul and Silas are sitting in this prison and now all of a sudden they're free because God acted on their behalf. The jailer sees, he sees what's going on. He knows that these two men have been brought in. He hears them singing in the night. He knows all of a sudden there's this huge, very, very, very specific earthquake that was able to pick locks and open doors. And now all of a sudden, these men are free because, and it came immediately after he heard them praising God. He sees their freedom. He sees what they've been doing and he says, I want I want that. How is it that I can be saved? How is it that I can get to whatever it is that you have? And Paul does the thing that that he knows his life is about. He shares the good news of great joy with his captor. And that very night, his entire household gets baptized. Let me tell you, we've also been set free from a prison. Maybe not by an earthquake, We've been set free from the prison of sin and death, and we've been unleashed into real, authentic, joy-filled life. And our job is to take that joy and spread it to every single person that we encounter, everywhere we encounter them. What would the world look like if the people who followed God had the kind of joy that he wants to instill in us by the power of his spirit? I don't know. That's the kind of world i love to live in. We, are the, we, we have the ability and the opportunity for our joy to send us on mission, for us to point our joy at other people and say, here's what I have. In the summer of 2003, I was on a mission trip with Campus Crusade for Christ. Now they just call it crew. Any crew people here? All right. Every service. <laughs> I spent one entire summer on the Jersey Shore in a place called Wildwood, New Jersey, There's like an amusement boardwalk thing going on. It's a pretty cool place. Um, But every night, every night we'd go out with a couple of our people that were on the trip with us. And we'd go to the boardwalk to try to have spiritual conversations with people. Just Just to talk and kind of get a sense for where people are at. And then maybe lead the conversation towards the gospel. And so this one night in particular, we met three teenagers that were just hanging out on the boardwalk. And we walked up to them fully, I'm going to be honest, fully expecting that they were just going to be like, can you please go away? Because that is what teenagers do. (laughs) But to my surprise, they were not rude and they did not send me away. We had a really great conversation about all kinds of stuff. And then we got to talking about Jesus. And one of them said, well, what do we do now? And I was surprised said, what do you mean? What do you do now? They said, well, like, how do we, like, how do I how do I accept this Jesus? And so I said, well, like, if you want, we can pray for you right now. They're like, yeah, well, you guys seem like we always see you walking around on the boardwalk. You guys look like you're always just having the most fun. You look like you're really happy all the time. And, you know, I tried to explain to them that it wouldn't always be that way, that life is tough, and they didn't want to hear that. They just said, (laughs) they just said, can you just tell me how I can get this Jesus? And so, so, let's, like, let's just pray right now. We, we went through the whole gospel. We explained it. They said, all right, we're ready to pray, but we don't want to stand here and pray. And I'm thinking, like, do you want to go off the boardwalk where nobody can see you? They said, no, we want to kneel right down in the middle of this boardwalk. Now, when I say, when I say this boardwalk was busy, there are tram cars running up and down the boardwalk. There are literally thousands of people just wandering around, and these three teenagers wanted to kneel in the middle of this boardwalk to receive Jesus into their hearts. <laughs> in that moment, I believe I believe two things happened. One, I believe that there was a huge, joyful celebration in heaven, as there always is, when even one sinner repents. The other thing that happened was more personal and more about me. In that moment, it confirmed for me that my heart was going in the right direction, that my life, I wanted to spend my life investing in the lives of young people, teaching them about who Jesus is and pointing them towards a life with God as the answer to every question that they have in life. And it was because of that moment. It was because the joy in my heart sent me on mission, my friends. The joy in your hearts is sending you on mission to your communities, to your families, to your jobs, to your schools, to all the places that you put your feet. You are on mission so that the world can see what the joy of following Jesus looks like. The people sitting next to you in the rows right here need to see that joy in you. The next generation needs to see what it looks like when the people of God have the joy that comes from following him, my friends, we need to walk in the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's great, but how? How do we get from here to there? I'm going to give you three things, and I promise you, you've heard them before. I promise you, they're really simple It's just a matter of like, we just, at some point, we just got to do it. That's it. At some point, we just got to do it. Here's number one. Get in the word. Get in the word. Joy comes from our trust in God's promises. It helps to get in his word because sometimes we need to be reminded of his promises and what he's done. That's why I love Psalm 23. This is what Psalm 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. There is reason after reason after reason. In fact, if you counted, I think there was like 14 or 15 different things in that passage that that you can count as joy in your life. And sometimes you just need to put scripture in front of your face so that you can see our reasons for joy. So you can be reminded of the good things that God has done, that God is doing, and that God is about to do so that we can remain rooted in real actual authentic life transforming joy that can only come from jesus number two number two get in community and i'm gonna call the community of the worship team up here with me as well see we weren't meant to walk alone there's a lot of strength that's found in community and there's joy that can be found and can be experienced in community But you're not always going to have the ability or the strength to do it by yourself. So sometimes we have to rely on the strength of others. We need people praying for us. We need to surround ourselves with like-minded people that can encourage us, that can sing with us, that can just sometimes sit with us in the middle of our dark night of the soul. We need people who are pursuing Christ with us pointing us to our reason to walk in joy and number three get in prayer and give yourself over to worship get in prayer and give yourself over to worship we can't do this joy thing in our own strength guys we cannot do joy in our own ability it's not possible That's why we have to ask the Spirit to bring this fruit into our lives. We need to go to God in prayer and ask Him to remind us of our joy. To ask Him to to restore to us the joy of salvation. We have to cast our cares upon Him. Talk to God about the things that are joy killers in your life. But sometimes you don't have the words to pray. So we can sing instead. There is no shortage of great worship songs to help us express our heart to God. To say the things that are just beyond, like I don't have the words to say, but like maybe Hillsong does. Maybe Kate's song does. But what would it look like for you to open your heart and give everything you've got in worship? To hold nothing back at all? to point every one of your affections, all of your energy, like from the deepest place in your being to offer it up and open it up to God in worship? What would it sound like if you sang like no one was listening? Man. In a moment, we're going to sing. That is your opportunity to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And make no mistake, it's not about how you sound. It's about the place it's coming out of. It's coming from the, from the depths of your heart where God is stirring joy in you even now. So when you have that opportunity, the invitation is take it. Sing like you've never sung before. <laughs> Sang. My question for you is this Where is your joy coming from today? Are you waiting for the next happy thing to happen? Or are you trusting in the never failing promises of God? In His eternal, unchanging love for you that leads you to walk in the greatest joy you could ever know? Because one of those will lead you to real joy, the other one will leave you wanting. This joy doesn't mean you'll always be happy. It just means you'll always have a reason for hope as you find yourself in the hands of the Father. Because joy for the people of God isn't determined by our struggles, but by our future destiny that Jesus, excuse me, by our future destiny and the truth that Jesus is with us now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, We thank you that we have such great reason for joy. Father, I I pray over everybody here that if, if anyone here is in a dark season, finds themselves in a difficult place, Lord, would you restore to them the joy of knowing you, the joy of salvation. Might they know that even though they walk through the darkest valley, that Lord, you are with them every step of the way. And might all of us find our way to true, life-changing joy that comes from your spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's
1: stand and sing together. that come to my left and to your right, and uh, those that are serving communion can come to my right and to your left. So I love um, how Pastor Matt shared the application for um, joy. When we really know that we experience joy, not, not happiness as the world knows it, but when we know that we experience the joy of being children of the living God, then we are on mission. Our next step is to go on mission. But I can't, you know, I have to be reminded that some of us, we're still struggling with point A. We're still trying to figure out, does this God really love me? Am I really the one that he died for? Is it me or is it just other people? And so if that's a place where you find yourself kind of circling back, then come up and let somebody pray for you. And let them speak words of life over you to help you see how Jesus really sees you. That's something that you need to do. And you need to do that today before you leave. And for others who know that they know that they experience the joy of being loved by Jesus Christ, you need to go out and you need to share it. You know, this is a dying world. There are people out there, they know what it is to have short-term happiness, to have something happen and to be excited about it, but they don't know what it is. experience the joy of Jesus Christ. And if that's on your block, as Matt said, that's fine. You've got neighbors. If that's at your school, you've got classmates that you're going back to. It's a whole new year where your workplace is, wherever you are, how can you show the joy of Jesus Christ? It can be a simple thing. There are people amongst us who go through their entire day without someone saying to them, I'm glad to see you. There are people that go through their day without one kind word being spoken to them. There are people that go through their day and they're in, they feel like they're invisible and that no one sees them and all they're there to do is produce. And what does it look like for you to recognize and say to them, hey, you know, how are you today? or recognize that they're a human being made in the image of God and give them a listening ear or give them some of your time. There are a whole host of ways that we can be on mission. The question is, what are you going to do and what's the way that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today? So hold out your hands. I'm going to pray a blessing over us. Please come for prayer. Come for communion. Spend time with Jesus in that way. And I'm going to pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. Brothers and sisters and sons sons and daughters of the gracious, living, and joyful God. The God who sees you and he smiles. I pray that that reality would sink into your heart. That you would see the joyful face of Jesus smiling at you. And I pray that as that joy soaks into your very being that you would be compelled by joy and in joy to spread it. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. God
2: bless you all. Have a great day.